Bridging worlds, navigating culture shock and cross-cultural relationships. Love knows no boundaries, but what happens when cultures collide in a relationship? In today's episode, we're going to dive deep into the world of culture shock within cross-cultural partnerships. We'll offer insights, share personal experiences, and provide strategies to build bridges instead of walls. Tune in for an enlightening discussion. Hello and welcome to another riveting episode of Married to India, where we explore love stories that span continents and cultures. I'm your host, Amy Rigetti, and today we're talking about a subject that hits close to home for many of us, cultural shock and cross-cultural relationships. It's kind of the first thing that we typically hear if our partners are from abroad and they have family, friends, whatever, is the first thing you're hearing, oh my gosh, are you experiencing culture shock? And then you look at them like, what is that? Like, what is this you speak of? Well, I'm about to inform you. But before we jump in, I want to extend a heartfelt thank you to our audience for the incredible support. We know this topic is close to your hearts as well, and we're thrilled to navigate these sometimes choppy waters together. Let's start by breaking down what culture shock actually means. It's more than just being surprised or perplexed by your partner's traditions. It involves feelings of disorientation when you're suddenly exposed to an unfamiliar culture, way of life, or even set attitudes. And when this happens within a relationship, it can stir the pot in more ways than one. So this does not have to be specific to like relationships outside of our own country even. This could be somebody, you know, dating somebody from New York who that other person is from California and you got like this surfy way of life and you got this other person who's just like, you know, straight out of Compton. I don't know what to tell you, but you could experience this situation even in, you know, not cross-cultural relationships. So I hope I feed a little bit of something into you guys. So in cross-cultural relationships, culture shock can manifest in ways like language barriers, religious practices, familial expectations, even the simple act of dining together. Have you ever been shocked by your partner's traditional family gatherings or their approach to conflict resolution? You're not alone. And acknowledging these differences is your first step towards understanding. You know, my father-in-law, right from the beginning, was very adamant when we were having kids about making sure that in an odd year, and if you've listened to my podcast past, I'm sorry for repeating myself, but in an odd year, my father-in-law wanted us to take the kids to Tirupati and have their heads shaved. So this wasn't like an odd year for ourselves, but it's an odd year for that child. So zero to one, and then one to two being an even year, and then two to three. So it's like opposite of what we would expect it to be. But anyway, this was a big deal. I knew it was a big deal. It was something I definitely planned on respecting my father-in-law. I wanted to stay good on my promise to him. This really meant a lot to him. So I did wind up doing it, but my husband was not joining me on this trip in the beginning. He was coming at the end of it, but my in-laws had made all these plans from train travel to um, car accommodations. And then of course, getting proper paperwork for Tirupati so that we could stay in certain accommodations. And then, of course, once we got into Tirupati, being accommodated in a certain way. So we'll touch down on all that a little bit later because I'm sure people have questions. But um, all this stuff had to be put into place in order for us to go, right? So we went out there, we get in there, and it was like I kind of felt like I was I hit a brick wall because even though we had been married for years, I never had this type of experience. So my father-in-law immediately goes, we get in the room, he immediately bathes and then he gets in his, you know, um, it's a dhoti. So he gets into that and he's like looking at me and then I realize that it's expected. I got to 
we we got a, you know, monkey see, monkey do kind of thing. So then we all got bathed because he wanted to take the boys with him to go get their heads shaved. And I was like, okay, okay. So I bathed the boys first. The boys went down there with him. And when he came back with my boys, my boys were screaming bloody murder because this isn't something like typical that I would just go down there with them. It was Tata and then we're going to go get this done together. They were so mortified (laughs) and upset at this experience because they're down there with straight blades scalping everybody. And my children who were very little at the time were just totally shocked, right? So my father-in-law was also a little bit upset at the time. He's like, yeah, finally, you know, we just cut a little piece of air. And these boys, like basically he was upset. He, his grandsons were sissies now (laughs) too. But I remember like that was one of my things that I was like, oh, my gosh, man, my husband should have told me all this stuff because Srinu's had his head shaved before. But I don't think that it was something that Srinu really understood until I got into it. And then, of course, after I got a bath, I had to put on a sari and we we started making our way to the temple in which my in-laws were like, just leave your shoes here. Well, my feet, I don't know how long it's been, if ever they have seen or touched pavement. (laughs) And pavement is hot, including worse when you get to India. So um, I am walking, two-stepping it as fast as I can because my feet are on fire. And then we finally get, you know, to the center of Tirupati so that we can go into this temple. And, you know, nothing was ever explained to me. So I'm like rushing with the crowds. And I'm not really on India speed at this point because I don't really know any of the process or what's going on. So we get in there, we're running in there and we hit this little stream of water and I'm washing my feet real quick. Again, monkey see, monkey do. My kids are crying and I am just on overload because I'm, you know, I am a pretty go with the flow kind of person in terms of like, I'll eat what you throw at me unless you tell me it's like snails or something. Like I'm not going to eat anything like that. It's just mind over matter for me. I'm just not Maybe I matter too much for my mind, but I'm not eating that stuff. And so this situation, I just, it it was crazy. That was probably my first true experience with culture shock. And so I tell people all the time, it, it can manifest in so many ways and you might not know it until like years into your relationship. So being part of a cross-cultural relationship myself, I've navigated through a maze of such shocks and simple things like differing approaches to like these time management and even our hobbies like woodworking and DIY projects at home can sometimes reveal like vast cultural gaps even 25 years later. But guess what? These gaps are bridges just waiting to be built. So embrace them, guys. It's crucial not to let culture shock divide you guys, but rather let it be a platform for you guys to grow and come up with mutual understandings. Open communication is going to be key here. So learning each other's languages, even if it's just basic phrases or um, little quirky comments that are said, it can go a long way in fostering deeper connections. A big struggle for me, and, and I can be honest with this even in my world today, like I was very much that country girl raised in America. And I had, I wouldn't say that I dreamed of my wedding or anything like that, but I had definitely thoughts of like how I wanted my marriage to be, how I wanted my life to be, how I wanted certain things to just come together. So I'm kind of a country girl and I was raised in a very country way. And I have certain expectations of really how I wanted life to be for myself and little things like 
fairy tale things we could call them. I grew up on Disney movies and watching romance films and stuff like that. You kind of just imagine like when you're older and you're married, you can be in the kitchen swaying and dancing and, you know, singing to an old song and like, or old music comes on and you just get into your jive in a cross-cultural relationship where my husband was not raised in the U.S. and definitely in relationships where maybe your significant other is more submersed in the Indian culture and not so much in the American culture. There's a lot of things on those levels we can't relate to. Srinu didn't listen to Western music growing up in India. My brother-in-law was very big into it, but Srinu, no interest whatsoever. And so songs, he doesn't really get the same songs that I get. He didn't watch the same cartoons I watched. So when I reference something or have any pop like culture, Srinu can't really relate to that. And sometimes I can feel a little sad about that. But I often will just remind myself all the amazing freaking things that I have gained because I am in this diverse relationship pushes me past that because those are silly things, right? They don't last forever. And so we just move past that. And I tell myself, God, like I have friends that always tell me, Amy, you and Srinu have like the best combination of a marriage. Like he's so serious and, you know, you're so like laxy daisy. And it's not that we're that way. Maybe it comes off that way, but it's funny because if you talk to my kids, it's like I am like strict military drill sergeant at home and Srinu is like, oh, whatever your mom says. So it's interesting um, how that all works out. And I often feel Again, I'll go back to this 90 days situation. I think that if I was the average American watching this show, that would be culture shock to me, right? I would be like, how, you know, like Jenny and Sumit, how can love not be enough? Like love conquers all. Well, get it together, folks, because unless you've been around the culture and unless you've grown, unless you have other kids that you've raised, whether they're yours or not, and you've been able to sit there and be in there in the parents' place looking out. Like I'm like, just just stop. You know, because I am the first one to say, Jenny, I just need five minutes alone with Jenny. Um, because I don't understand what they're thinking over there. Even when you start listening to Sumit say that maybe he wants kids, like Jenny's the adult here, right? I understand that he's also an adult, but Jenny's the adult. Jenny has kids. Jenny's had all that. And she literally is not being selfless enough to think that boy deserves that. To watch his mom cry on TV is heartbreaking for me because I know the culture shock she's going through. And it breaks my heart because I feel like Jenny's the bigger person. I don't care what your love tells you. I don't care if your heart, oh, I'm in love with him. Well, you're, you've got a brain, Jenny, right? Or maybe she doesn't. I'm not really sure. But that just breaks my heart because I do see the situation. Jenny has no interest in learning the language. You know, some situations I really do believe you can't teach old dogs new tricks. And Jenny is one of them. She's not learning the, the language. This is not something she's going to be able to adapt to. She cannot have kids anymore. Now this is going to be an issue. She doesn't want to have kids anymore. This is an issue. She's not going to adopt a child. This is, this is an issue. Jenny's the adult. Jenny should have made the adult decision. She's got like 30 years on this kid. So that's just kind of my take on it. And I just feel like these are cultural shocks, but you should have been prepared for them. I understand that she got played and all that. And, you know, he, he lied. I get that. But that is on a different topic. We're talking about these things. And I think even when we see the situation with Kimberly and Tulsi, I get really bothered because I do believe if I heard that right, she lived there for a year in India was a student there. I have never met a friend or a student on my father-in-law's campus that has not preached how important family is. 
how important their friends are, how important your brother. When I see how she's treating Yash, give me five minutes with Kimberly. I just don't understand that, how you can positively, Kimberly, when we're watching on this TV show, how much havoc you're creating without a care. Because it's just about you and him, but it's not. In this world, in this relationship that you've chosen, it's not. So whatever cultural shocks that are coming or whatever, you're going to have to learn how to overcome those. Work past them and be respectful about it. That's all anyone is expecting from anybody. Nobody's asking for you to change. Just be respectful. So seeking support. This is where I get into this because I felt very alienated when I was younger in my marriage because there weren't a lot of people around me who were cross-culturally married or who were going through similar experiences or would even understand where I was coming from. I think even one time I called Dr. Laura. She hung up on me. She hung up on me, didn't even give me a chance to talk and was like, well, I'm sorry you chose that for yourself because I was asking her a question pertaining to the head shaving. And it was so heartbreaking because it's like I felt like she was heartless in that moment. I was looking for help, answers, what was right, what was I morally obligated to do. And she just, I'm sorry you chose that for yourself and your kids. Hung up on me. It's like, okay, whatever. So I'm going to encourage you guys not to hesitate to seek outside help. There are such things now as cultural brokers. These are relationship counselors with experience in cross-cultural dynamics and even online communities that can offer valuable support through just members. My mother-in-law always jokes that it's her family and her friends. She doesn't need therapy. She gets all she needs from them. And I find that so true because if you just join a group, seek out people who are like-minded like yourselves and join in in this effort to kind of just make each other better people. Because sometimes it's beneficial to have a third party help you guys see things from a different perspective. But remember, one thing that Srinu and I have always told ourselves, because we we believe in what we have, we never introduce or talk about our situation between ourselves with the opposite sex. I'm going to caution this because this is where you open up just a blanket of problems. I've seen this happen within the Indian community where other Indians have experienced this as well. But if you are having issues within your marriage, you just need to find a girlfriend to confide in and talk to. Because the minute that you talk to anybody from the opposite sex, there's just this vulnerability that forms and you're just opening up kind of a weakness or a crack in a bridge that is easily repairable. So I caution in that seeking support, but definitely guys utilize these sources and therapy and overcome this because the outcome of putting in the work is so amazing that it's worth the fight. For those that have, you know, or are planning on having children, managing culture shock extends to your parenting styles. And this is extremely important because I never really understood what all this premarital counseling was within the, you know, within Catholics. Like whenever we had Catholic weddings, I'm like, what is this? And come to find out, like all this is covered during those premarital classes, you know, deciding on this religious upbringing, educational values, and even what language to speak in the home can become big arenas for cultural clashes. So it's crucial for you guys to co-create a family culture that's balanced and it's a good fusion of both of your worlds. You know, culture shock in a relationship doesn't have to be a stumbling block. It can be a stepping stone to be a richer, more diverse life that you guys have together. Build it, man. All it requires is empathy, understanding, and a willingness to walk that extra mile to meet your partner halfway. 
When I had started Married to India in the beginning, where we just had this forum that we created on a separate website, we had people from all walks of life. I had one girl who had married this boy and converted over to Hinduism, so much so that she would just, every every festival, every puja, every prayer, every whatever, she was changing and adapting herself to that, so much so that she alienated her family. And then I had people who were just like, went in Rome, and they just did not want to blend anything from the Indian side of things into their relationship at all. It was heartbreaking to watch them pour their hearts out and explain all this to us when in the middle of this, I was just thinking to myself, can't you guys compromise? Marriage, whether cross-culturally or not, is 50% compromise. It's something that just like math, if you practice and practice and practice, it'll come like second nature. I can't tell you guys enough how important this is. I hope that I've hit a few chords and resonated with all of you guys in the short time that we've had together in this episode of Married to India. And I sincerely hope that you found moments of realization, recognition, and connection today. And if so, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and bless us with a gentle review. It is what I need in order to get ranked and others to find me. I hope that this has you guys looking forward to the next episode. This is your host, Amy Rigetti, wishing you peace, understanding, and soulful connections. Until next time, keep your hearts open and your minds curious. Bye.